Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Luke's English podcast is made possible thanks to very kind donations from listeners. And if you would like to send a donation to support the podcast, you can click one of the little yellow PayPal donate buttons that you'll find on the website. And I'm afraid PayPal is the only way that you can do this at this stage. Otherwise, you could become a premium subscriber. And for a very reasonable price per month, you can unlock all of the premium episodes. And there are over 100 episodes now in which I focus very specifically on helping you to develop your vocabulary, your grammar, and your pronunciation. And if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to become a premium subscriber, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. And that's another way to support the podcast. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you today? I hope you're doing well as you listen to this, wherever you are in the world at this particular moment in time. This is the fifth in the Wispolep competition series, Why I Should Be on Luke's English Podcast, talking to winners and runners-up from the listener competition I did at the end of last year. So far, I've spoken to Wala from Syria, Tasha from China, William from France, and Robin from Germany. And now it's the turn of Michael from Poland, also known as Michael the Shaman. And this is the nickname that he often uses for reasons which will become clear later in this episode. Michael actually came sixth in the competition and Baha from Iran was fifth. But at the time of recording this, I haven't spoken to Baha yet. Her interview is coming soon, though. So let me tell you a little bit about Michael the Shaman from Poland. Michael, who for the record is not an English teacher, has a lot to offer, both in terms of language learning tips that have worked for him and some very interesting stories and insights into some pretty deep and fascinating things. And I think this should be a great episode, so listen closely. Here's a quick overview of the things that we cover. First, we talk about language learning and those specific tips from Michael. These are resources and approaches that he's used to work on his English, especially his vocabulary and pronunciation, with some success, I would say. I won't go into them now, but pay attention so that you can hear him describe these things, how he uses them, and how they've helped him make some significant improvements to his English. I'll summarise them again at the end and give a few extra comments. Secondly, Michael tells us some of his hitchhiking stories. Michael has spent lots of time travelling around in neighbouring countries near Poland and doing it by hitchhiking, which basically means getting picked up by drivers who are going in the direction he wants to go and hitching a ride with them as a way of travelling around. Now, this sounds adventurous and possibly a bit risky because it does involve travelling in the cars of strangers, 
And Michael has some genuinely frightening and incredible stories of doing this. Again, listen closely to hear the specifics of the edgy situations that Michael has found himself in. Then, thirdly, we have the topic of shamanism or being a shaman or shaman as it's also pronounced. Michael is probably better placed to describe this than me, but being a shaman basically refers to the use of certain rituals and practices to enter different states of consciousness, which can lead to new discoveries, new perspectives, new ways of thinking, and different ways of seeing the world, or the universe in fact, and our place within it. This is something that Michael has explored, and for him, it's been very beneficial to his life in various ways. So let's listen to what Michael has to say about shamanism and the use of psychedelics. And at this point, I feel I need to say something about the use of psychedelic substances, which is part of what Michael describes as being a shaman. And we're talking about using substances that occur in nature, like certain magic mushrooms and ayahuasca, as well as the synthetic chemical LSD or acid, as it's also known. So I would like to just say one or two things about this topic as a sort of disclaimer or preface to our conversation, because I'm aware that I've got, you know, various different types of people listening to this, people coming from different sort of cultural contexts, people of different ages and stuff. So I just feel like I need to say one or two things about this topic before we continue. First of all, the substances I just mentioned there, like, you know, magic mushrooms, ayahuasca, LSD, these are controlled substances in most countries, even if some of them are naturally occurring things. Um, They are, generally speaking, controlled substances in most countries to some extent, which means that they are illegal to some extent. So we are certainly not suggesting, first of all, we are not suggesting that people go out and start using them and get involved in any kind of illegal behaviour. Okay, so that's one thing I'd like to point out. And by the way, I'm referring to these things here as controlled substances. But in many cases, they're also called drugs. And they're not just prohibited by law, but also in the general culture. For a lot of people, drugs are a serious taboo. And people often have quite strong and negative feelings towards this subject. And I'm aware of this. And I hope that you are comfortable listening to us talking about it on this podcast. I think it's all right, but I'm aware that for some people, drugs are just not okay. And, you know, that's fine. But I do feel it's necessary to say that in talking about psychedelic drugs here, we are not condoning their use in any kind of flippant way. And condoning means promoting or supporting something. And flippant just means kind of in a, in a kind of not a very serious way. If you do something flippantly or if you do something in a flippant way, it means you do it without really thinking about it properly and not taking it seriously. So we are not condoning the use of these substances in any kind of flippant way. We take this seriously. And as you will hear, Michael is very articulate and quite serious about the subject. He's very well read and knowledgeable. And we're just talking about his personal experiences and knowledge, which I do think are are interesting as well as being a new subject on this podcast. I've never actually talked about this kind of thing in depth before on the podcast. Also, I think it's worth making a distinction between different types of drug or substance. There are many kinds of drug, and they are extremely different to each other in many cases. People often say drugs without making any distinction between them. 
They just kind of lump them all together as if they're all the same, basically. But I think it is worth making a distinction, despite the fact that controlled substances are often grouped together as drugs. They're not really the same, as they have very different effects and different levels of risk. And we are certainly not talking about things like cocaine, crack cocaine or heroin, which are obviously very dangerous substances and very serious substances. We are not talking about those things here. So I I thought it would be worth making that distinction. And I'm trying to be responsible about this topic. But I'm also attempting to manage your expectations here because I don't want you to get the wrong impression or to be shocked or to have a knee-jerk reaction while listening to us mention psychoactive substances in the latter part of this conversation. For many of you, these words are not really necessary and you're fine with it, but there it is. I felt I should make these points. We're not promoting any kind of illegal behaviour. We're not talking about those damaging and addictive things that will ultimately destroy a person's life. Instead, we are taking what I hope is a more reasonable and rational approach here and discussing the more intellectual and spiritual aspects of shamanism and how psychoactive substances are part of that. And you'll hear Michael echoing, you know, those statements or, you know, saying those things himself as well uh, during the conversation. Right. Now, before we get to the talk of psychedelics in the second half of our conversation, you can first hear Michael's specific language learning tips, which I think are really useful, and then his crazy hitchhiking stories, which are pretty mind-blowing and entertaining. Right then, so no need for me to add anything else here. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. I will be recapping and summarising some details later, but let's now meet Michael the shaman from Poland, another runner-up in the Wispolep competition. Okay, so are you ready? Listening carefully? Okay, here we go. Michael, hello, welcome onto the podcast. Hello, how's it going, Luke? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing today? I'm pretty knackered, had a rough night, uh, honestly, but I feel quite excited, yeah, to be here. So thank you for having me. You're welcome, of course. Rough yeah. night? Rough night. <laughs> well, it means, uh, it sounds weird, but I mean, like, I slept rough. I mean, not rough, I swim, you know, outside. So, yeah, but basically, oh, I slept like six hours tops. Yeah. Had trouble sleeping. Yeah. A bit, you know, excitement and stress. I think it's normal before the podcast, you know, first time. Yeah. But it's. You're excited and stressed to be on the podcast. Yeah. Like, there's a, you know, small, small difference between, like, excitement and stress. But yeah, I'm both, I guess. Um, I have a smile on my face, so I think it's, it's going to be a great, you know, episode. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, me too. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. So, uh, Michael, just tell us uh, where you are. Where are you speaking to us from? Uh, I'm speaking from my my room, which is by, by the way lovely. Intyche in Poland. That's like a medium sized uh, city, right near Katowice. It's like the southern part of Poland, quite near the mountains. And yeah, I'm just sitting, relaxing on my gaming chair talking to you, having a smile on face, drinking uh, teas, uh, different teas and herbs. I, I'm interested in the herbs and various medicinal uh, you know, plants, so I'm drinking this, relaxing, having fun. What kind of tea are you drinking? Well, I don't know the English name, but it's basically uh, a mixture of various uh, herbs which makes you more focused and relaxed, yeah. But slightly, it's not like you know caffeine. I'm, I don't drink caffeine. I don't feel too well when I do it. Yeah, yeah. 
Me too. I mean, I, I drink caffeine sometimes. Uh, I'll have maybe one a day, uh-huh. maybe first thing in the morning yeah. with my breakfast or maybe after lunch. But I do find that sometimes it starts to burn its way through my gut and it makes me kind of go, uh, makes me kind of a bit shaky yeah. and, and yeah, it can be a bit, I, bit much. That's why I've never drank uh, like caffeine. I mean, uh, coffee. I, I prefer yerba mate. This is, you know, a plant from South America, drank in like Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina, and in the southern parts of Brazil. And it's a great, great plant. If you if you have trouble drinking coffee, try yerba mate because it has less caffeine and you can like re-pour, refill it lots of times. So you've got the same amount of caffeine as in a normal coffee, but you can refill it and gradually build up the, uh, the amount of caffeine in your body. It's called yerba mate. Yes. That's the stuff I've seen it, that the people drink it out of a metal straw, don't they? Yes, yes. It's called a bombilla or bombisha. And there are, you know, various pronunciations of this word. But it's a metal straw through which you drink it so that you don't drink the herb itself. I see. I see. Okay. I had a student once from Argentina. Yeah. Who was a great guy. And he brought his yerba mate. Yeah. What do you call it? Like cup? Uh, it's like a matero. It could be it could be a Palo Santo wood, which is like a special kind of wood. But it could also be it could also be like uh, a fruit, a dried fruit, and you're basically drinking it as well. I recommend Palo Santo always because it's a sacred plant. It's a sacred wood used in various shamanistic rituals as well. So it's and it smells nice. So it's a, one of the best cups, materos you can get. Yeah, that's great. He used to walk around the school with it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was this freaky guy at school that you know would always have a thermos. Uh, in his hands and the Matero in the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, congratulations, by the way, for being, well, a runner-up in the competition. Oh, that's very good. That's why I like to congratulate everyone. Every contestant, I listened to every recording. Uh, all of them were great. I'd like to, uh, to Wala from Syria. She had an amazing story. She brought in a huge viewership, I think, new lepsters to the, to your, you know, your podcast, your business. Uh, to all top other top four, top five, to, to and to me as well. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I've got to say, um, I'm quite impressed with the how, how many votes I got because I had like 300 votes, and I have no social media at all. And I told maybe like five, maybe seven friends to vote for me. So like 290 people voted for me, you know, who don't know me, which is so flattering, and I I appreciate it very much. Thank you, everybody who voted for me. I hope I will deliver, and you'll have great, great, you know, uh, great episode. So hop on in, uh, fasten your seatbelts, and let's have a good ride. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things you said in your recording, like, so the, I've got loads of things I want to talk to you about because you know you mentioned, um, you know, the 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 way you've developed your English, specifically your pronunciation and the way you've worked on your accent. You talked about um, hitchhiking stories, which sound yeah. fascinating. You talked about the. Uh, the shamanism, being a shaman and using yeah. psychedelics and, and, and like meditation, fasting, yoga. Yeah. There are lots of ways, techniques. Exactly. And that's fascinating. And uh, also you talked about other things like your, you, you do boxing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a beginner in martial arts. I'm not, I'm not good. I'm training like, you know, three, four times a week, uh, sometimes two, but I'm a beginner still, but I'm having fun. I'm like, you know, you need to take care of your body and mind. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. This sounds like it, it, it should be an episode of the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> yeah, I like Joe. Yeah, especially his DMT stories, which I, I like. I mean, I like spreading knowledge about DMT and, uh, you know, dispelling myths and, you know, the bit of stigma attached to it. About DMT. Yes, DMT, psilocybin mushrooms, everything. 
We'll get onto that stuff in due course. Let's let's start with your English then. So you mentioned in your recording that you had a specific approach or a specific method for acquiring the accent which you have. Yeah, a specific approach or techniques, and it, I think it combines into like three things, like the holy trinity. What I did, right? So unless unless you want to professionally translate things, like you know, written texts, I think you should always start learning English in English. Unless obviously you're like A1, A2 level, but after that, I think you should always like you know look up uh, English definitions in like a Longman's English Dictionary or Collins, so, you know Oxford dictionaries, and learn uh, you know the English uh, definitions. And at the same time, the second point being is that you get synonyms, lots of lots of synonyms. So you could you know find a word just to give you an example like thrifty, right? What means what, what does thrifty mean? And you look it up and you see the synonym frugal. Wow, that's a nice thing. And at the same time, you see that, that a person can be frugal, but also a meal. So you learn two words at the same time. And then again, like another synonym, economical. And every single time you can build up your vocabulary, like you can look up the word, let's say sly, right? Like cunning, crafty, wily. There are so many synonyms which you can find and build up on it. So it's a great idea to learn English in English and just find as many synonyms as you can. So that's English english dictionaries and yes. um i mean i think there are probably about five decent ones that i use on a regular basis oh, i agree collins dictionary yep cambridge dictionary online i can't remember the specific names of them all i always just google like collins dictionary yeah. uh, cambridge dictionary oxford learners dictionary or it's i think it's the oxford advanced learners dictionary online uh, the longman uh, yeah. dictionary and also the macmillan dictionary as well yes. those are the sort of my top f- five favorites yeah um yes eg- exactly so um oh i could i could explore that avenue more but that's a good point we're trying to be quite sort of uh, concise succinct. yeah yes succinct concise with- succinct concise exactly synonyms again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to be succinct and concise here. Um, I have a tendency to get very sidetracked and get caught up in all the details, but that's a very good tip. Dictionaries, English to English dictionaries for the reasons that you gave. Yeah. Great. What else do you have for us? Um, and this is my favorite. Um, if this is not a technique per se, but this is a website, which is not a competition to you, by the way. It's just a free resource of like you know recordings. It's called dialectsarchive.com. And it's a special website for, well, it's for everybody, but I know that voice uh, actors and voice coaches use it a lot. So basically, you've got like two texts, and one text in, in particular, Comma Get Secure, that's its name, the title. It's full of very difficult words to pronounce. And based on this text, you can analyze one's accent very thoroughly. So it has like four paragraphs. It takes about two, maybe two and a half minutes to read it out loud, right? And based on this text, yeah. Sorry, what's the name of the text again? Comma gets a cure. Comma is the name of a goose in this text, in this story. And comma gets a cure. It's, it's a great text based on which you can analyze one's accent and train it. And the f- fantastic thing is that on their website, you've got 1,600 uh, 1, recordings from various people from UK, uh, New Zealand, um, I know South Africa, USA, and so on. And they read this text out loud, and you can compare it to the text. So you can do what you talked with, voila, right? Shadowing, Mm. being a copycat, basically, right? Just trying to emulate what they say. 
uh, and you can train every every kind of accent. You can choose RP. You can make you can you know you have a map for UK for instance. You can choose an accent, a Scottish accent, maybe a Newcastle. You know everything. You can train a, an accent from USA. It's amazing, an amazing resource. And honestly, just in my recommendation, look, you can take this uh, website, this text. It's free to use on podcast as well. Uh, and you can make, I think, lots of episodes, especially on LEP Premium. And I re- encourage everybody to 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 get it because it's worth worth it. So yeah, great stuff. Tell me again. No, I, I'm trying to Google it, but I don't know how to spell oh. comma, co- comma, comma, c o m e r, c o m a, c o m a. I'm going to send it to you right now on a, on a text uh, text chat. You want? You're sending it to me in the chat. Yeah. Here you go. All right, cool. It's the most amazing text I've seen. Oh, I see. Comma like a comma in a sentence. Yes. Like a punctuation point. Okay, so this is the okay, this is wonderful. This is brilliant. I wasn't aware of this website. I mean, there are other websites like the British Library Archive. Do you know about yeah. that one? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, which is like a it's just full of recordings of people. There's a map of the UK, yeah. little recordings of people speaking in different dialects and things. But this is great. This is, I love this idea of just this one text. I've trained my accent just solely on this text. Seriously? Yeah, my mate uh, Peter Clayton. He he was he's like an English coach. Uh, he basically taught me how to learn. Right. So he gave me like methods of learning. He didn't teach me per se, but he basically coached me. And based on this text. In like a few months, I I think I got a pretty decent accent. I'm not saying it's perfect; it's it's not, but it's like quite good just on this text. I need to ask you certain questions. Um, you said in your recording that you'd never been to the UK. No, right. I was supposed to go there this year, but you know, the lockdowns and everything. So sad life. Yeah, never been to the UK, so you've never had that experience of like maybe when you were younger, kind of going maybe as a student. No, never. No, no, no. How much time have you spent with, um, let's say, native speakers of English? Oh, I mean, I, I've attended, you know, a few courses. Uh, you know, thanks to my parents who who paid for it when I was, uh, you know, younger. And every now and then, every like two, three months, we would have like one class, uh, one hour and a half with uh, a native speaker. Uh, but it's, I wouldn't say it's, you know, a lot, lots of time, just a little bit. It's funny, but like your podcast. You know, shows like uh, Peep Show, my favorite show of all time, and like British, it's, it's my humor. Once you go British, British humor, you can go back. Um, and like panel shows, like Would I Lie to You, for instance. I love David Mitchell, Lee Mack. It's like my type of humor. And obviously, uh, stand up comedy as well. Paul Taylor. <laughs> Paul Taylor, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Lee Mack, David Mitchell, Would I Lie to You? Oh my God, I love all those things so much. Yeah. If I if I could and maybe I will, I would just do only just talking about them, and maybe <laughs> yeah. analyzing clips of that. Um, There's just so much I can do on this podcast. That's fascinating. Um, so sorry, going back to this text again. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you did with the text then. Oh, so let me take a look at it. So I would you know start with the first paragraph, and I it took me a few. I th- I say a few weeks to 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 maybe not perfect it, but to master it to a degree which was, you know, uh, quite all right. Uh, I would basically read it out loud. I would also find other, like, received pronunciation recordings of this text, which is easily available on this website when you click Special Collections, and they've got RP. And they, you've got, like, four or maybe five recordings, and they differ because not every RP is the same. There, there are differences, like regional differences uh, and so on. So you, I would basically find the, the accent which is the best in my opinion 
and I would try to to shadow to emulate what they say. And you can also, like as I've said before, find the map of Great Britain, and I would take any any accent from like the mid to mid from Midlands to South, right? So it could be Guildford, Bristol, and I would basically compare accents and try to emulate it. And I think, obviously, uh, I, I don't speak with like the normal received pronunciation, but more like contemporary version. Sometimes I omit my T's. I say like, you know, uh, Duke of Edinburgh instead of like Duke or Duke, right? There are various options. And yeah. I, yeah. And I say next year, for instance, instead of like next year or next year. There are, you know, m- m- things like I, I like. Where do you stand on on glottal stops? Um, you know what? It depends who I talk to because I found that when I talk to my mates, like, you know, uh, when I play RPG games, for instance, I always say water. And, you know, I drop my T's all the time, left and right. But when I talk to, like, um, let's say, older people on, like, Discord servers, because I, I, I'm a frequent user of it, uh, then I say uh, almost every T, almost, yeah. At the end of the words, too, yeah. <laughs> that's really that's really good. I think it's okay to do that. Some yeah. people would think... No, you have to have one accent which is consistent. It's always the same, and this is who you are. But it's it it, it we can adapt the way we speak slightly yeah. depending on the situation in the same way that we would adapt our writing style. Yeah, and I, it's sub- subliminal. I don't think about the, this, you know. When I talk, I don't know if I drop my teeth talking to you. I think I, I sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, yeah, I don't think about it about it a little bit a little bit here and there but yeah. you know but because you know that uh i don't mind that much but yeah you're right to to when you're speaking to older people um for example if you know my my dad if you would if you spoke to my dad <laughs> you would you would not drop your t's you would, yeah. you would pronounce your t's and he would appreciate it <laughs> as well yeah. because i think my dad doesn't like it he doesn't like it when people <laughs> say yeah. water or british or things like that yeah, yeah. you know Okay. Okay. So we had use English English dictionaries and the ones we mm-hmm. mentioned. This yeah. text, which can be found, let me just repeat myself, uh, which can be found on dialectsarchive.com. The text is called Comma Gets a Cure. And the idea is that you can read through the text. Um, and they, they've provided recordings of it. Yes. Spoken in different accents. Yes. And you've got like English accents from America, but also like Indian accents. So there are. Like 1,600 recordings, almost two, yes. Of and the same like, text? Uh, of like two texts, because there is also a text about a rainbow, which used to be uh, the main text, right? But they decided to switch from the previous text to come out get secure because it's objectively better to analyze one's accent. Yep. This is an amazing resource. I can't believe yes. I hadn't discovered this before. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. It's a game changer in my opinion. Like once you spend a few weeks or months on this text purely, your level will skyrocket. Wow, great. Is there anything else? Is there a third thing? Uh, Well, I've mentioned like uh, learning English and English synonyms and, uh, you know, dialects archive. I don't want to like go too deep in in English and giving general, you know, tips because it's easy to find on YouTube on your podcast. And I'm pretty sure you also talked like with other contestants about English. So, yeah. Okay, great. That'll do. Yeah, no need to overwhelm people. So let's see another thing you talked about. Then let's move on to the other one of the other things you talked about in your recording, and that was being a hitchhiker. Yeah. Just remind us again, just for those people who don't know the word, what is a hitchhiker? What is hitchhiking? Right. So hitchhiking is a form of traveling, 
a very spontaneous form of traveling where you go uh, basically near roads or maybe on the petrol station and ask people if they could take you for a ride. Or also you could stick your thumb out or perhaps have a sign with your destination or a general direction where you're going. And maybe someone will pick you up. Yeah, simple. Mm -hmm. So very spontaneous. You get various rides, always different people. And also it's free. So if you're a student or anything like that, it's like the perfect form of traveling. One of the things I'm thinking here is that do people do this still? Because I know that it was like a, a thing that people definitely did a lot in the 70s, maybe yeah. the 80s and stuff. This, you know, we do associate it with that kind of um, maybe even hippie culture. Yes. And uh, that it's not so much, it's not done that much anymore. I think maybe because it's a little dangerous. Is it not dangerous? Well, it's funny because I, the story I will, I, I'll try to, to explain to you, uh, I've had, had a dangerous story first time hitchhiking but I'll come back to it later. You know what I mean? In a moment. Uh, but I think it's not dangerous at all. It's more dangerous for drivers, I think, to pick up hitchhikers. They hesitate more than we do, like hitchhikers, you know? It's dangerous to take someone if you don't know him. So you need to have mutual trust between the passenger and the, the driver. Yeah. still feels risky to me what if you just get one nutter in a car who's like oh i will take i'm <laughs> gonna i'm gonna pick this guy up and i won't let him out of the car right. or um i'm gonna pick him up and he he's suddenly gonna take me somewhere else that i don't want to yeah. go to you know what i think i'm on i believe that uh, it's less dangerous than let's say walking out in a big city at night right or or driving a car driving a car is very dangerous like like, the, you know, the accidents are very frequent and people do, do not realize it, in my opinion. So, and I, I'm not saying hitchhiking is for everybody because it isn't. But for those who uh, appreciate spontaneity and basically, you know, free rides, uh, have, talking to different people, getting to know them, like, you know, broadening your horizons, really, in terms of like social interactions. I think it's one of the best things. Obviously, if you're, if you're a girl, for instance, you're a lady, you probably do not want to travel alone. Have a friend, have a boyfriend, like anything. Obviously, there are lots of, uh, you know, women that travel alone and they do great in Asia and Africa. Everything's fine, but it's still a bigger risk if you're a, if, if you're a, if you're a lad, right? And you travel alone. Um, it's, it's a bigger risk if you're, if you're a girl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where have you done your hitchhiking? Well, yeah. So I haven't, you know, I've started like maybe three, no, four years ago because I'm like 21, almost 22. Uh, so I haven't been to Africa. I, I was supposed to be in Africa this year, but I was you know, wanted to go to UK and Africa and Morocco, uh, but it didn't work out. I was in Netherlands. It was my first hitchhiking trip with a mate. Uh, also was in like Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, and one big trip. It was amazing. My favorite trip so far. And I also was in like um, Croatia um, and countries, you know, in the vicinity of, this, of Croatia. Those are my main, uh, you know, trips. I also uh, hitchhiked in Poland quite a lot, but I definitely prefer going abroad. Prefer going abroad. All right. So tell me some of the stories then. What are some of the things that have happened to you? Yeah, when I uh, went to Netherlands for the very first time in Germany. Oh, you know what? No, I tell you that I met a guy who did professional. Uh, he was a rapper, uh, right? He did music, but also he was like a fortune teller. Like a, you know, he basically could. Tell what, I mean, tell what will happen in the future, you know, be it true or false, but basically would do that professionally as well. And I traveled with my friend, uh, Kuba, and he basically foretold him that he would, uh, during this trip or shortly after, 
uh, he would find uh, the love of his life, right? And we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, right? Like, that's cool. But then during the trip, because we stayed in Netherlands on like a um, like a campsite in a tent, because it's obviously cheaper and you can socialize with uh, with other people, uh, his biggest crush ever, out of out of you know nowhere, after like a year or two of no contact, she decided she, you know, they need to talk. And they did. <laughs> so what, this is a girl. This is a girl that he knew previously. Yes, yes. They had something like you know history, but nothing serious. And suddenly she messages messages him after a year or two uh, that they should meet up and you know talk and stuff like that. And they yeah. So it was right a coincidence, mm. right? But yeah, <laughs> pretty pretty, <laughs> it was pretty freaky. Funny. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty freaky stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, so you met you met a fortune teller. Yeah, what's what happened later is a bit scary. Uh, it was, you know, the very first trip, and the, the, the same thing uh, the, with this fortune teller. His car broke down, quite literally. We had to like push it for five kilometers. Whose car broke down? Sorry, this uh, fortune teller. Okay. Yeah, so we helped him like push the car like five kilometers to the nearest petrol station. It took us forever, and basically he he couldn't do anything. So we said goodbye, right? Uh, obviously we helped him as much as we could, but there was no way that we could uh, travel with him anymore. And by the way, he picked up us in Poland and was supposed to go to Netherlands. So we couldn't believe our luck, right? But then before the German border, his car broke down. So it was like, what? Really? We were supposed to go you know, to Netherlands in like second or third ride, but you know, his, his uh, engine like acted up or something. Yeah. So the the god of uh, hitchhiking said no. Nope. Yeah. nope, not this time. Yeah. <laughs> and then was a time where we like stay like three or four hour, four hours um on a petrol station it was a huge. Nobody wanted to pick us up for some reason, um because it's like in, in hitchhiking. Sometimes you will catch a ride in one minute, two minutes, five, and sometimes you might stand ten hours and nothing will happen. So it's always you know luck or not. And we met two people who changed uh, my my life forever. Because um, I didn't, because I'm a highly intuitive person, and when I got into the car of these two people, I will n- not describe them or anything. I don't want to like them to hear it. <laughs> but basically, they were like thugs, right? Like what? thugs. Yes, thugs. Um, um, basically thieves, and I believe them to be organ harvesters. What? Yes. Um, okay. okay t- explain. Explain. <clears throat> I believe they took us to do us in somehow, in one way or another. See, but, this is what I was talking about, Michael. Yes, that's, that's what funny. I was talking about. That's funny. Because I'm here to convince people to hitchhike more. But the very first story I say <laughs> is like, you know, which should be a proof, do not hitchhike. But um, basically, <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny. Right. Um, so basically, they, it was very scary to be inside there. Because sometimes, you know, when you go into a room, even though nobody's saying anything, you can feel like the tense atmosphere, for instance, like the body language, like the, like there, there is something in the air that tells you, you know what, something's, you know, wrong. <clears throat> and I felt it very, very much. My mate Kuba didn't. So he said, no, Michael, come on. Because I sent like, uh, you know, shot him text message, messages. Like we need to get out, man, come on. Like it's a life or death situation. He didn't believe me. But after like 10 or 15 minutes, when they told what they did tell us, that he changed his mind and we tried to get, get out. So wait a minute. We need to explain what, an, uh, did yeah. you say organ harvesters? Did you, did, yes. was that the I term you that. used? Yes. 
organ harvesters. So yes. basically, listeners, I mean, many people obviously know what that what we mean, but there will be some people who don't know what that is. Um, do you want to explain it? Shall I explain it? Yeah, you can go on. I'll, I'll have a go. So an organ harvester, or, or oh my god, it's it's a it's a shocking thing, right? So this this would be people who kidnap other people in order to steal their internal organs. So we're talking about kidneys, liver, I, I mean, other things too, I suppose. But the kidneys and the liver are probably the big ones, right? I don't know. But um, I don't, I'd, I'm not experienced in the organ harvesting trades, so I, I'm not sure exactly what the most popular organs are on the market. But um, they, they would kidnap people in order to steal their organs, which they then sell on the black market because – I yes. guess for some reason there is a black market for bodily organs. So yeah, you 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 pick you got picked up by these guys, and then they were you were in a room with them, and not not in a room, in a, in car, a car, in a van, in a, yes. in a van, and you just yeah. had you, you who pick you you're intuitive as you said, yeah. so you can pick up on these things, yes. and you just felt the vibe. You you just yes. felt a really bad vibe. Yeah, they were like smirking as well, and like seemingly jokingly telling us we're gonna get your organs and stuff like that and based on the body language body language it was so scary that and it i I don't believe you know there is a small chance that they were joking but i i don't believe so yeah personally don't i was scared to death and i i'm alive so far so i was lucky i think yeah wow it's like something out of a horror film (laughs) yes and the thing is um I think I'm, I'm, uh, it was, I acted quickly, right? So I told them the, um, I've got, it was a lie, obviously. I told them that I've got diabetes and I've got, <laughs> you know, it's like very, uh, very, um, subtly, uh, it was a very subtle, you know, um, a very subtle, uh, conversation when I told them about diabetes and other s- illnesses I got. So they think like my, my organs are useless, basically. <laughs> but my friend is so stupid. I mean, sorry for this word, but he said that, no, we are so healthy, no illnesses. We never drink, we never smoke, etc. I'm like looking at him, what? You're supposed to say you've got, you know, some kind of illness. So they A rare blood it. disease, yes. like a degenerative organ, like infection or something. Yes. Yeah. Where like my kidneys are, um, you know, that's why we're going to the Netherlands to get medical help immediately because <laughs> like, my yes. kidneys are about to expire at any second. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my God. So you, you, you got out. How did you get out of the car? I mean, did you just right. tell them, Hey guys, can actually, can you just stop anywhere? Here's fine. Uh, let me tell you, I acted as if, as if I had diarrhea. Yes, it was pure, pure acting. And, uh, we need to get, I will, you know, I will vomit in a moment because I, you know, car sick or car sickness or something. And I had to stop and we stopped and we, you know, somehow got out, like, you know, took our things with I, like, you know, backpacks were in the, you know, in the back of the car. So we like, I need something from the back, you know, stuff like that. And we ran to, towards like the people in the petrol station and we somehow managed to get out. Wow. Right. Intense. And they, you know. Go, go hitchhiking, guys. It's a great <laughs> idea. No, it really is. I've got like amazing stories, but I don't, I don't know if you have time. But come on, tell the, us the more. Is, no, I want more. I want right. more. Come on. Well, I, I'll continue this story because the problem is, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. We promised ourselves, it was evening, by the way, it was getting dark, <clears throat> and we told ourselves, um, Kuba and I, that we won't get, get into a Polish car, because this was like ge- in Germany, no Polish people, so just not to meet you know, their friends, right? So no Polish people, no Polish cars, 
Oh, you didn't want to meet their friends? Yeah, just in case. Like, we, we yeah. won't, like, uh, you know, um, hitchhike a Polish car and Polish people. No vans, right? And no people after drugs. Because I forgot to mention that these people were, were on drugs and alcohol, by the way, yes. They, they, they what? Yes, they drank alcohol during driving. And they were smoking? Uh, I, I don't think it was like weed. It was like some crystals, like something like that. Oh yeah. my god! They were, they were so like we wanted doing... to get out as soon as possible, right? Yeah. So three three rules: no Polish people, no vans, and no drugs. All three rules were broken. <sighs> yes, because we didn't. I didn't know. I I basically came up to Polish people, and I immediately smelled um, alcohol, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And they said, "Yeah, yeah, go in, go in, come on." And what turned out later that those guys were friends. Of the of the first two guys. Wait a minute. So you, sorry, sorry to keep interrupting you here, Michael. But uh, um, so you had expressly stated to each other. What was your friend's name again? Kuba. Jacob. Kuba. Yeah. Kuba. So yeah. you and Kuba had said to each other, "Okay, no more Polish people, no vans, no drugs." And the next people that you end up in a car with were yes. Polish uh, in a van. van drivers doing drugs, and they were the friends of the people you'd just escaped from. It's insane. Yes. It's insane, but we wanted to. It was you know dark, and it was like the car cars were like coming very rarely, right? It was quite late, and we wanted to leave this petrol station because these uh, like you know thieves, thugs, were, knew where we were. So we wanted to leave as soon as possible. And that one of the cars we approached was was them. Yeah. Wait, did you get in their car? Yes. You did. Why? Yes. Why? I thought you you had. We didn't like- know they were their mates. Like we smelled alcohol inside the car. We were like driving. And I uh, saw them drinking and smoking. So it, it wasn't was, until after that you that yes. you knew. Well, we yeah. wouldn't go into a car if we knew, like the, the drivers, like you know, smoked a joint, right? Yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. Basically, what we had it was a day because these two people were the funniest people I've ever seen, and <laughs> it's 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 hilarious because we were laughing out loud, like la- laughing our our asses off, but simultaneously being afraid of death. It's insane, and I think I've got my. It's my personal uh, opinion, but they uh, let us go. I think because they liked us, because we tried to be like you know funny to the second guys. Because the first two guys were like typical thieves, like big bulky guys, right? Who could do anything to us. But the second guys were like they looked more and appeared to be more intelligent, and they were like maybe like a boss of the, the previous ones, something like that. You know, a different different dynamic. And I think personally that they let us go because they liked us. Yeah. But it was the craziest night I've ever had. I, I messaged, I, I remember texting my mom that, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm doomed. I'm done for. I might, I might not come back. So yeah. And I, Oh, by the way, I had no signal in my phone in Germany, no signal. I couldn't do anything. So I remember my mom getting my text messages next day and she freaked out. And it was during the night. <laughs> What, what does your mum say about this? Um, she was scared, but since it you know happened the next day, and I f- called her that I'm safe and I'm in Netherlands because I managed to go to Netherlands uh, with the guy, Dutch guy. Uh, yeah, so everything was fine, and we had the best uh, you know holidays ever in Netherlands in Amsterdam. Yeah, I bet. But <laughs> she, she she hasn't forbidden you from doing it again. Well, she always says, Michael, you won't go. 
right? But she's not like strict or anything. So she 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 doesn't enjoy that I I go. She doesn't let me per se. But you know she knows it's like my you know those are my dreams are my hobbies and I do that and I always come back safely. So and she loves me. So she knows that that's my kind of thing. Spontaneous freedom. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah, but it's you know it sounds scary and everything, but trust me, it's like one scary story. But I've got like fifty huge, like fun meeting new people, uh, exploring, sightseeing, like you know, getting to know you know people from various backgrounds, races, cultures. It's insane. I can't wait till like the lockdowns are, uh, you know, finished and I can travel again. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> How did you find out that they were the friends of the other guys? Um, they told us, but not like in an obvious manner. But the one guy jokingly said, you know what? Haha, <laughs> like, uh, you wish you didn't meet our two friends before. You know, something like that, like subliminal message. Like it was a joke and I'm, I didn't say anything because I acted as if I didn't understand the joke just to, to make it less obvious. But I instantaneously... Uh, realize that they're mates because i also saw the first guy in a car you know from the first duo i saw him like when we got out he's he was like uh anxiously calling someone and he was looking at us like it was like in a movie like in a film literally so he looked at us like you know like that and he called someone and that's why we were scared to death as well so he's probably saying hey i've got a couple of really good ones here yeah like healthy looking guys you know <laughs> and then, then their, their mates are going that's funny because we just had a couple of healthy looking guys as well <laughs> actually no no and then also, no they weren't healthy remember oh yeah no can't be the same guys <laughs> yes oh my god okay um <laughs> have you got any more i mean tell us some of the other things i mean you mentioned in your recording that you ended up with uh drug dealers and stuff or was that the people you were talking about maybe uh yeah th- those were like drug smugglers yeah. Uh, drug dealers is like a very a small um, small funny story. Uh, the the very first people we met uh, met in Vienna in uh, Austria, right, were <laughs> weed dealers because we came up to them and asked for directions, and they were like, "You want weed? You want weed?" <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we want directions. <laughs> yes. So yeah, those were like typical guys in hoodies, and you know, it was very funny. Is you know, no, I, I love you know people from Austria from everywhere, but it's just like a funny anecdote that the first people we met were actually weed sellers, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, also, like one small story, we had a crazy driver. It was a great guy, like a history teacher, I think. But he was a weird guy, a bit absent-minded. But basically, um, we uh, in Lithuania, in the capital city, we basically uh, dr- he drifted in the city. It was like going. I don't know, 100 kilometers per hour in a city center and like doing like very quick, you know, left, right, left, right. And it was insane. Wait, he was drifting his car around corners in the city center. Yes. And he was like, guys, I'll give you the the best tour of the city at night. Oh, Jesus. Yes. But he was was a great guy. He he basically read lots of books and listened to lots of audio books. He was very knowledgeable, uh, great guy. But and he gave us an amazing trip. I mean, a tour of the city. So we were very grateful. But it was, you know, quite exciting, like like on a roller coaster. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and on the same same night we were supposed because we always have a a tent, right? Because without a tent, I don't think you should hitchhike because you never know where where, where it will end up. Uh, but it was, you know, a capital city, so we wanted to stay in a hostel just just for once, like you know, seven euros or something like that. Like you know, take a shower. 
but basically it was quite late, like 2 a.m. maybe, and everything was closed. And my friend almost cried because he, he it was cold night, right? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, like we, we'll like, you know, get a tent somewhere in the park and just sleep. And he was, no, we need we need a hostel. But yeah, but we somehow managed to find a hostel which was open. It was the last hostel which was open till like 3 a.m. It was almost 3 a.m. I remember this. Where? Where is it again? Uh, in Lithuania. Okay. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know how to pronounce this name, but I think it's like Vilnius, right? Vilnius? Vilnius? Vilnius. Vilnius yeah, yeah. The capital yeah. city of Lithuania. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and uh, and did you end up sleeping in the park in your tent? Uh, no. Um, we found last minute, just before the 3 a.m. mark, right? We found a hostel, the last hostel, which was open till the, that time at night. And we managed to to go to sleep. And I remember going to the, you know, the common room, like where, I mean, the, the bedroom where like, let's say 12 beds were, right? And I remember waking everybody up by accident because like, like I stumbled upon something. I mean, like I tripped. <laughs> yeah. And everybody was like, oh, come on, dude. Well, it's, yeah. it must've been great though to actually get a bed. Yeah. It was great. It, it, hostels are great because it's like relatively cheap. You can, you know, take a shower. You can even uh, do a laundry very often. So yeah, and the socialize. Obviously, there are people from like Korea. I met Koreans from Africa. Like great stuff. Wow. Yeah, Koreans from Africa. <laughs> Koreans and people from Africa. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just taking. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. 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 Well, I mean, we could. I could ask you for more stories, but I mean, as we said, we were trying to be concise. Do you remember? Yes. So let's move on to the fact that you mentioned also in your recording that you were a shaman, that you were interested yeah. in psychedelics. Yeah. All right. So, well, tell us about this. What What is a shaman? Well, <clears throat> I, I believe, uh, you know, a shaman. I say shaman, I, shaman. I think both are correct. Yeah, I say shaman. I've just always said shaman, but shaman, fine. Potato, yeah. you know, tomato, tomato, whatever. Yeah. Um, I always try to notice, you know, the words which you can pronounce differently and both are correct. There are yeah. quite a lot of them. Yeah. So a shaman basically in like in tradition, traditional meaning of the word is like a holy man, right? In a culture that isn't settled, that is still hunting and isn't agrarian, right? And mm. he go undergoes, uh, he goes into a forest and he meditates or takes sacred plants. Those would be very different in various cultures. Like in South America, it would be ayahuasca, the DMT plus, uh, you know, uh, IMAO uh, inhibitors. Those are something that causes that DMT is orally active uh, because without the, without it, the DMT can be only smoked. Right. Okay. So in, in, in like in Brazil, they make DMT so that it's orally active and that you've got this, one of the most profound experiences that one can get in the, in the, Amazonian jungle. And basically, uh, this man undergoes silence because like nowadays, when you, when you think about this, we have no silence at all. Like people constantly chatter, talk, like we've got like, you know, various, uh, stimuli, like from YouTube, when you have a YouTube, we've got so many thumbnails, so many videos, titles trying to get your attention. And it's so much strain to your brain. Like you, you forget who you really are, in my opinion. So once you meditate, once you go to the forest for to discover who your true self is, like you get different ideas and you can truly remember who you really are instead of like labeling who you are, instead of other people telling who you who you are, you can just meditate and so on. But my understanding, because there are various like sh shamans, right? I'm like a modern young shaman, still learning, exploring. 
And I'm a guy who enjoys uh, and undergoes um, altered stages of consciousness, delves into my own uh, subconscious mind through meditation and other methods. And I try to heal myself and then I try to help others. Because there's a, a very important saying which I try to go by that yesterday is a you know quote, yesterday I was clever and I, I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise and I'm changing myself. Mm. You know, the, the quote ends here. And it's so important too, because many people want to change the world, or they want to change people. But the most important thing, in my opinion, before you do this, you need to change yourself. Because once you do, and you understand various little things, uh, you understand that the world doesn't need to change, really. You do. And it's so important for me. Yeah. And I try other people to to, to do the same. But but it's not like I, I, I compel them to. I'm, I just try to spread knowledge, education, because education is the most important. Like, I don't believe, like, even, like, hard drugs, right, which are, in my opinion, very harmful. And I don't, don't do not condone you, you, the use of them. Which ones? Like heroin. Yeah. Cocaine, um, meth, amphetamine, stuff like that. I think it's terrible to do this. And those are, I call them recreational drugs. I do not condone, by the way, the use of any drug. But I think there's a very important difference between recreational drugs and like therapeutic slash spiritual drugs. Because a drug is a very vague term. It's like an umbrella in which like, like there are people who like, you know, are hammered and smoking a cigarette and they say, I, I've never done drugs. Really, haven't you? Like, I, I believe alcohol is a hard drug and cigarettes are, aren't too healthy either. Tobacco is a different story because uh, like a cigarette isn't just tobacco. There are many compounds, chemi- very, you know, detrimental to your health uh, inside a cigarette. Uh, and also a filter isn't too healthy. So tobacco can be healthy sometimes to clear, clear your lungs. Uh, but there's a very important distinction between recreational drugs, which will eventually destroy your life in most cases. And there are <clears throat> things which can have therapeutic effect like uh, ayahuasca, the one of the strongest brew uh, DMT containing, uh, um, you know, uh, brew compounds. Um, you've got magic mushrooms, which, which are psilocybin or psilocybin mushrooms. Um, very, those LSD, uh, you know, and other plants, even Amanita muscaria, which is a fly agaric, you know, the fly agaric, also the, yeah. the famous, the famous uh, red spotted mushroom. Yes, from Super Mario Brothers. Yes, the most iconic mushroom in the world is my favorite mushroom, by the way, and I've got lots of cool information about it because people think it's poisonous, isn't it? It's not. Doesn't, was, it, kill, doesn't it harm you? Doesn't it? Can it not kill you? It can't kill you unless you like. Seriously? uh, Yes, I'm gonna, and you you can look it up. I can give you uh, like proof for it later. But basically, I was told, right, at school and primary school, especially, that it was like the uh, on the front page of poisonous mushrooms books, right? I'm like, all right, so this is like the most poisonous mushroom in the world. But in fact, there are other amanitas from the same family which could be very poisonous, but not the amanita muscaria or muscaria. The fly agaric. Mm. The thing is that it contains. Maybe I'll tell you this: if you eat it raw, like one cap, two, three, the worst thing that can happen is you'll have a diarrhea. But if you know how it works, you know how it how it how to change its compounds, like ibotenic acid, and how to transform it to convert it into um, musimol or mascimol. Both pronunciations are correct, I think. Um, you can basically make it either edible but it's not the tastiest mushroom or 
therapeutically effective and beneficial mushroom to either microdose or to use spiritual doses for visions and better understanding of your mind and the the universe. I feel I should say, I mean, I don't want to kind of, um, what's the word for it, sort of interrupt your flow. And um, I don't want to kind of disagree with the spiritual side of the things you're saying. But I do feel I've got to say something on the lines of um, it's still it's still a very risky thing because you know there's i feel a sense of responsibility because i've got a you know a, a, a large a diverse number of people listening to this including people who are often really young mm-hmm. even like you know i don't know who's listening to this in fact yeah but sometimes youngsters are listening to this and i i just don't want them to think oh it's uh, then it's okay to just go out and if you see a a, a, a white spotted red mushroom oh, yeah, when yeah. you're walking through the woods that you can just pick it and take it Please be very, very, very careful. You've got to read up on it fully. Michael, who you're listening to, I'm not talking to the listeners now. Michael knows what he's doing. He's read up on all of this. He's very well versed in in all of the information um, on this. And so he is um, intelligently and carefully doing this. But uh, I personally would warn people against, the, uh, against doing this too against doing this without really preparing for it properly it's it's a, it's still a risky business i would say in the same way that in the same way that you know hitchhiking can lead to wonderful wonderful enriching experiences it also is a risk and in the same way i i would just like to say that you could be careful everyone please but anyway michael i'd still yeah, want to I know agree. about these yeah go on you, you've got i agree other... with you totally i i need to say as you just research it because I want to dispel myths, right? But at the same time, I want people to be healthy. I've, I'm never, I don't think people should go out to the forest uh, during the hunting season and just collect fly agarics, right? It's not, it's not the point. I want to dispel certain myths that it's deadly poisonous. Uh, you need to watch out. You need to know how to prepare it, how to convert ibotenic ma- acid to muscimol. And I can tell you, if you how to do it and basically how to make it safe. But it's not for everybody. And the best use of it is microdosing. So it's so there are such small doses every seven or ten days. You can take it daily as well, but in my experience, in my opinion, uh, you can take it once every seven to ten days, right? And you basically take such small amounts of it that it's it has healing properties to your brain, like restoring, like neuroplasticity. You can get off uh, of benzo benzodiazepines or quit um, various addictions. Thanks. Obviously, various methods are appreciated, but one of them can be the microdose do, uh, dosing uh, magnetum's carrier. So there are yeah. quite a lot of things, but you need to do it safely, responsibly, and read up on it a lot. I spend months doing this, and there are there are people like me who who know a lot about this, but there are still lots of things which they are wrong about. So, so they think they know how to prepare amanita, but they don't. Like, and they get sick. Because it's it's a very you really need to know how to convert it because there, you need to use at least a few methods of conversion to get a high percentage of conversion from ibotenic acid, which is a neurotoxin, to muscimol, which is a compound which is you know psychedelic or healing when in small amounts. Yeah, very interesting. Now, so we've mentioned ayahuasca, which is yeah. the kind of a brew, and you say it contains DMT. Yes, we mentioned the Joe Rogan experience before. Didn't yeah. didn't we? We did, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and Joe Rogan often talks about DMT. He's famous for yeah. it. Yes. Um, 
it's i guess it's well, well dmt is the chemical compound yes right the, the- yes uh, i think it's like called uh dimethyltryptamine yeah, something like that. It's a long name. I, I'm sorry for mispronouncing it, but it's DMT basically. Shall I? Shall I just have a look? Yeah, Let's sure. see. DMT. What is DMT? Um, uh, okay, I mean, this is from which website am I reading this from? Uh, I just want to get a quick pithy summary. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll tell you what. What is DMT? Everything you need to know. All right, I'll just read the first paragraph of this. DMT or N N dimethyl trip. Tamine. Shall I have another go at saying that? <laughs> yeah. Dimethyltryptamine. Hmm. Dimethyltryptamine. Di- oh, it's uh, never mind. Anyway, that <laughs> listeners, DMT is in in medical talk is a hallucinogenic tryptamine drug, sometimes referred to as Dimitri. That this drug produces effects similar to those of psychedelics like LSD and magic mushrooms. All right. Um, DMT is a scheduled in, in the United States where this website was made. Uh, DMT is a scheduled, a schedule one controlled substance in the USA, which means it's illegal to make buy, possess or distribute. Some cities have recently decriminalized it, but it's still illegal under state and federal law in the United States. What's the law in the EU on, um, DMT? Do we know? It's also illegal. Is so it, exactly. are, there are only like a handful of countries where you can safely take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're, you know, ready for it and stuff like that, if you need, if you have something to heal, like, you know, depression or perhaps heroin addictions, because there are like lots of studies about like people addicted to heroin. And nowadays we think it's uncurable. Like once you're a heroin addict, you're, you will be a heroin addict. But the, there are instances where people, uh, such people take undergo 10 ayahuasca sessions right? And they're completely healed because during the sessions, you maybe you might, you know, figuratively get your ass kicked by Mother Ayahuasca, the spiritual world and so on. Or you can basically get taught how to be a better human being. And, you know, Ayahuasca is very, very potent. It's not, you know, for for a normal person, it's like very potent. Yeah. So it can change your life completely. Once you, you undergo this, you, you're the same guy, technically, but you see the world differently. With, in the case of like heroin addiction, and I'm not an expert, but I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've read about it a lot and, you know, all the, in lots of interviews with, with people on the subject. And, um, maybe one of the reasons why people are heroin addicts is not just because the drug itself is so, uh, addictive physically or, or whatever, but it's just that people are led to the drug by something within them. Like it could be some something in their past or something that's imprinted a behavioral pattern on them, which means that they go back to the drug every time. It's you know what I mean, like yeah. a, a schema of behavior, a behavioral pattern. And um, you're saying that using something like ayahuasca under the right circumstances can help to kind of reprogram that pattern. In I in, think so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there was like a study from Canada, like one of the universities. If I like, I can find it later and perhaps you can like see it for yourself. Because those are not like, because there are lots of things which are not proved per se, but I think work. But this one, it, you know, there are lots of studies about this. And I, I can link it to you later if you want to see this. And perhaps like the listeners who are interested in this topic could also see that this is not, you know, some bollocks I'm trying to <laughs> sell here. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're not selling anything. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, Michael, mushrooms, DMT, and ayahuasca. Have you done these things yourself? I mean, of course you have. Uh, but well, tell us, tell us about some of your experiences. So, obviously, we need to assume I did it in a country where it's totally legal. So, the like the legal terms were absolutely not. Uh, well, right, like it was legal completely, right? Uh, that's an important thing. Uh, basically, I experienced like LSD and magic mushrooms. And those changed my life completely because I've always felt that there is something, something beyond like my perception, really. And those things, uh, it's not a drug. It's not a recreational drug where you have, well, you can have fun. It can be very often, if you prepare well, a pleasant experience, but it's not for fun. It's not like alcohol and like uh, weed. In my opinion, weed is a double-edged sword. It can be destructive, but it can have therapeutic effects as well. It depends on the user. When it comes to magic mushrooms and LSD, it's impossible to take it for fun. It's literally impossible because one, you will get convinced during the trip, it's called a trip, the experience, that it's not for fun. It's, you need to take lessons and improve your life in one way or another. This could be like quitting smoking. It could be going to the gym or it could be completely evaluating your own life, your sins, you know, per se, and how you see the universe. Because most of us, in my opinion, are like robots. Like we are programmed in a certain way. We go to, to you know, to, to our jobs, nine to five. Then we go back home. We we are angry. We are stressed all the time. So we eat some junk food, etc. We have, you know, quarrels with our, you know, husbands and wives. And then we go to sleep, drink coffee in the morning and repeat. And these, you know, substances basically lets, lets you, allows you to think differently. It allows you to think outside the box from these laid out uh, by, you know, television and other things uh, like, you know, stru structures. And you just think differently. And it allowed me to, I'm not saying, I'm not nowhere near to be enlightened. I'm not Buddha and I will never be. I'm just a normal dude. I'm a normal, regular guy, a young guy who explores life, having has fun and so on. But it taught me how to, uh, how to treat people differently, how to be calm, you know, how to explore, because it's so important to develop yourself in various areas. And like, you need to be mental, perhaps play chess, you know, learn a new language, you know, do something and, you know, pick up martial arts, start running, cycling, uh, you know, visit your grandparents because they might be not around here for long. Like there are so many little things because changing your life for better is, is very simple. You don't need to do some massive changes to improve your life, to ameliorate it. You just need to do those easy things, sport, diet, visiting your elderly people, uh, be nice to parents, like, you know, such easy things. And this is what it taught me to appreciate silence, to appreciate little words, such as a buzzing of a bee, you know, like flying near me. It's, it's beautiful. Like you, you're so sensitive during the, the trip. That's in my experience. And you basically uh, appreciate everything you've got. You've got a roof above your head. You've got water, you've got food, like you should be so grateful about your life because what, if you don't lose it, you don't know that it's so important. So it's important to appreciate it in my opinion. Mm. And this is what magic mushrooms and LSD and anything like meditation, like fasting, Kundalini yoga can teach you if you do it right. Yes. Have you taken ayahuasca? No, no, uh, no, no. Um, I, I don't think I'm ready because it's like, I, th I consider myself relatively healthy, like both mentally, 
run and physically. So I don't feel they need to do such a profound, uh, you know, uh, experience, right? If I had, you know, depression, perhaps, I mean, at one point in my life, I think I will do this in like Peru or uh, Brazil. I like to hitchhike there and do it once I'm, you know, older. But so far, I think it's, you know, basically it's not like you take the, the, the mushrooms, for instance, every, every now and then. You take it, let's say, I take it once a year, okay? Mm-hmm. There are psychonauts, people like me, who delve into their own subconscious mind very often, and they would say once a year is like not a lot. But I believe that taking the lessons, learning upon them, and improving your own life is better. It's like Alan Watts, a British philosopher, said that once you get the message, hang up the phone. And it basically means once you get your teachings from the, you know, the spiritual, the whimsical, ephemeral world, you, you want to integrate it into your life. So it's not about the trip itself, but what will you, you do after it? Hmm. Ayahuasca yeah. is, yeah, it's from the Amazon. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and I mean, do you know Bruce Parry? Uh, Bruce Parry, no. You've never heard of Bruce Parry? No, no, unfortunately. He, he's he's brilliant, right? So Bruce Parry, I was just, just before talking to you, I sort of mm-hmm. was checking out some of his videos on YouTube. I know Bruce Parry just from watching telly, watching TV mm-hmm. in the, I guess, the noughties, like 2000s um, in yep. the UK. He was on the BBC. He's a documentary filmmaker. He used to be, um, let's see. He's um, an English, this is according to Wikipedia, He's Bruce Parry is an English documentarian, indigenous rights advocate, author, explorer, trek leader, and former Royal Marines commando officer. And he makes documentaries, and he made a series mm-hmm. on the BBC, which was called Tribe. Mm. And in that series, often he would go and explore shamanic rituals Mm. in tribes in the places like the Amazon. And he would actually take part in their rituals. And often that would involve taking some of these incredibly powerful psychoactive um, substances like ayahuasca, yeah. which as you say is a brew. It's like a kind of, it has to be brewed. I'm not sure where the, it's extracted from a vine or a plant or, of some yeah. kind. There are various plants which you can use. Like one of them is, it's I think it's a Latin word, like mimosa hostilis or something like that. It's the main uh, plant containing DMT. But DMT is, can be found in in every climate, in every part of the world, in various plants. Yeah. Right. So Bruce would, in, in his documentaries, and it's all filmed, it's amazing, he would um, take part in the ritual, take, you know, drink the brew. Yeah. And this is all happening in, in like a, a tent or um, uh, it's not really a tent, like some kind of like basic um, uh, sort of uh, wooden building of some kind, you know, and there's um, a, a shaman leading the, the, the ritual. He would drink it and then film himself going through the, uh, the trip while also doing a, a voiceover describing, you know, the voiceover would be done later and he'd be describing exactly what he was going through. And it's, it's just, it's incredible, really. He's so good at describing what it was like and how profound and, and how deeply moving and also how frightening yes. it is. It's, 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 it's not just frightening though. It's frightening, but also 
incredibly uh it's a bit like exfoliating your soul or something like that it's like cleansing your soul and if you can imagine you know when you are when you clean an object let's say if you've got like a wooden chopping board that you've been using again and again and again and it builds up quite a lot of stuff as you've been chopping vegetables and food on it whatever uh when you clean that chopping board you've got to give it a good scrub right it's got to be give it a good old scrub for the washing board that's going to be quite hard isn't it it's going to you know getting scrubbed is going to be quite quite um tough but at the end when it's all been washed when all the the bits and the, the remnants have been washed off you end up with a lovely clean fresh uh, uh chopping board okay and that's just the metaphor i've come up with off the top of my head um yeah, let's not think right. about it too much but the, the point being that uh bruce parry when he's going through his ayahuasca trip was like a uh, he was like that chopping board being scrubbed and it must have been quite uh, tough but then at the end he emerged completely kind of refreshed and with a completely new outlook uh, but i recommend his 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 videos you can yeah, find I'll a lot check of it out. yeah there's some on youtube and stuff they're they're fascinating and he's very intelligent and talks about it very very articulately um ah oh, fascinating fascinating stuff um yeah go on like the thing is like words will never do justice to the experience itself <clears throat> because we've never invented words which would describe the profound experience of the things which are beyond our perception beyond the ability to conceive and imagine things so like we can try to explain somehow you know somehow to somebody what it was like to have an ayahuasca or magic mushroom trip but it will never do justice because it's impossible to describe only once I, once one uh, meditates for years or takes a psychedelic mushroom, for instance, <clears throat> can he, you know, experience it for himself and see the world differently? Do you think there's more to it than more to life than what we experience on a daily basis? Yes, I think so. In what sense? Like an alternative reality, like a spirit right. world? What is it? I think that's only my belief. And I think this belief has been implemented to most philosoph philosophy, you know, philosophies and uh, religious beliefs. Uh, I believe that everything is an infinite consciousness or awareness, and we are a manifestation of it. So even though I perceive myself as Michael and, and you as Luke, we are separate, but at the same time, we are the one source of light, of being, you know, the creator. We call it God in many religions. So it's not like it's an entity. It's just an infinite power which we cannot conceive and cannot understand or, or explain in words. I think there's much more to it. Yeah, but it's only my belief, and I respect every belief. And I, I, I know I can be wrong. I can be right, but it doesn't matter. It's as long as you're a good human being, as you improve yourself every single day and you help others. I think it, your life will be quite good and worthwhile. Mm. One final thing: Do you know the? comedian bill hicks yeah i do so do you know that little bit of his stand-up where he talks about you never hear on the news about the positive drug story yeah you know that bit i, I think i might have heard it but i don't remember the, the whole story i'll try and paraphrase it but obviously i won't yeah. be able to do it justice but he he said um we always have we, we only ever hear negative stories about drugs on the news you know, um, and they're, they're, they're always, we never hear a positive one, mm -hmm. you know, and that would be nice for a change. And then he says something, and maybe I, maybe I'll just add the clip of him doing it 
yeah. in the podcast, but I'll try and do it myself now. He said something like, you know, to uh, imagine a news broadcast. Today, a young man on acid believe, uh, realized. Yes, I know this. You know, today, yeah. a young man on acid realized that all matter is just energy reduced to a slow vibration. We're all just one being experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Then we are just the imagination of ourselves. Now, yes. here's Tom with sports. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my favorite things I've ever read. Yes, it's very well known in our like psychonaut, you know, society. Yeah, yeah, Michael, it's been really interesting to talk to you. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what how to end this other than saying thank you. And uh, you know, just well, I, I guess I would say on behalf of all the mums and dads out there, be careful. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much as well. Could I say the last one thing? Sure. Um, so thank you once again to you, Luke, and to listeners for letting me be here. And, you know, it was it's a pleasure. It's a, an, an honor to be here. And to to the listeners, please um, try to seek knowledge, you know, that's beyond what they tell you. Because sometimes there are hidden things which could be true, but certain people um, might tell you otherwise. So be hungry, thirsty for knowledge. Uh, seek truth and discomfort and be good human beings, uh, and so on. Just smile a lot and just be good. Be excellent to each other and party on. Yeah, and listen to Luke's English podcast. <laughs> okay, Michael, thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. Me too. Nice one. All right, cheers, mate. Cheers. So that was Michael from Poland, Michael the Shaman or Michael the Shaman from Poland. And wow, that was uh, awesome stuff, wasn't it? It got very deep there, didn't it? Very deep and spiritual and sort of um, cosmic. <laughs> um, I hope you liked it. As usual, I'm very interested to read your responses to the things that Michael said. And I'm going to sum up some of the things that Michael said at the start of the conversation about learning English, because after all that mind-expanding talk of psychedelic trips and also the hitchhiking stories, it seems like we talked about his language learning methods ages ago. Feels like years ago, almost. And I think he made some really great recommendations that you could find really useful for your English too. So now, considering Michael's English again, I think it's fair to say that it's good, right? His English level is good, don't you think? Especially when you consider that he hasn't spent time as a youngster in England. He was never immersed in the language. He didn't have an English-speaking person in his family or at home. He seems to have largely done it on his own. I think his level of English is very good, considering all of those things. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about you, thinking about my audience listening to this, people who have, you know, varying levels of English, and as a sort of language learner myself, obviously I'm sort of like, <laughs> I'm I'm attempting to learn French, although I'm not really putting as much effort into it as I should do. And that's another story for another time. But as a language learner myself, I know that there is, a large part of it is the attitude that you have and your sort of, you know, your motivation, your, determin your determination and generally just the way you feel about your own language learning. And I think this is important. Some people are more sensitive than others. But nevertheless, I do want to repeat a couple of points. And these are points that I've made sort of in response to the other Wispolep uh, competition conversations as well. So the main thing I want to say here, actually, is 
and this is this is for those people who listen to other learners of English who've had some success, people who who are fluent and all those sorts of things. We have a tendency to listen to other people and often compare ourselves to the and often compare ourselves to those other people and sometimes we are a bit harsh with ourselves and we kind of like feel a bit bad when we hear someone else who who has a good level of english i'm not saying that's how you feel although i'm sure that some people have those feelings so i want to say this don't compare yourself to other people too much uh, if possible this can lead you to judge yourself a bit harshly which is totally normal Whenever we listen to other language learners, the tendency is either to judge their language level or judge our own level in comparison to theirs. But this isn't really a very healthy thing to do in terms of language learning, in my opinion. And what I would encourage you to do instead is only judge yourself by your own success. And rather than comparing yourself to others or even judging other people's level of English as if it's some sort of league table... Instead of doing that, try to notice how your English is better than it was before. I sort of feel like English um, isn't really a competition sport. It's not like, you know, a game where you're trying to beat, you know, there's, there are no winners and losers. It's more like one of those sports where you're just competing with yourself, really. So just compare yourself to yourself at earlier points in your language learning journey. Notice improvements that you've made and celebrate them. Enjoy the moments of success. Enjoy those moments, even little things when you manage to express yourself or when you've, you know, when you realize you've learned a word or you've made any kind of progress, you know, sort of enjoy those moments because this is more likely to put you in a better mental space than comparing yourself with others or beating yourself up about your language level. Just think how far you've come as a learner of English and take note of your progress. That's probably healthier than falling into any kind of negative thinking, which can happen if we compare ourselves unfavorably to other language learners. It's all about trying to encourage a, a sort of a positive cycle rather than a negative spiral, you know? Um, so try not to judge others too harshly and don't compare yourself to others too much either. And hopefully, listening to other language learners can give you some inspiration and some practical ideas which you can use to work on your English in ways you hadn't considered before. Even little things like changing certain habits can make a big difference to your learning of English. And with that in mind, let me quickly just go over the tips Michael had for learning English, which worked for him. Have you tried these things or used these resources? And there were there were two things, really. Michael talked about two things. So the first thing is uh, use English-English dictionaries. That's monolingual dictionaries rather than dictionaries that translate from English into your language and vice versa. Use English-English dictionaries to expand your vocabulary with correct definitions, examples, phonemic transcriptions and synonyms. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, my five favourite dictionaries online, and these are all free, just just, you just go to the websites and just use them. It's amazing. My five favourites are collinsdictionary.com, the Cambridge Dictionary, which is cambridge.dictionary.org, that's O-R-G, or you can just Google Cambridge Dictionary online, the Oxford Learners Dictionary, which is oxfordlearnersdictionaries.com, the Macmillan Dictionary, which is macmillandictionary.com, and the Longman Dictionary of Contemporary English, which you can find at ldoceonline.com. 
Okay, so good dictionaries which you should bookmark and use. I've been planning to do a full episode on using online dictionaries to improve your English. And in fact, I'll be touching on this a bit in a couple of upcoming episodes. There's there's an episode or two specifically about using dictionaries. And so that I will be talking about it again on the podcast soon. But I will just say that these dictionaries are fantastic resources, not just for getting definitions, but for getting synonyms, examples, phonemic transcriptions and more all of which are really important ways of really getting to know new words. So bookmark the dictionaries, use them all, because they have slightly different examples and details which you can cross-reference. And sometimes for some reason, a word or phrase won't appear in one of the dictionaries, but it does appear in others. So, you know, use them all and cross-reference what you find from them and get into the habit of checking words in them and exploring the information they can give you. Never before have we had access to so many wonderful language learning resources completely free of charge and at our fingertips at all hours of the day. It's like living in a massive library. So use those online dictionaries to explore new words. Just break away from your normal habits and just use, you know, collinsdictionary.com when you find a new word. Okay, it doesn't take much more than your normal routine, I would say. And I'm not sponsored by any of these dictionaries. Maybe they should sponsor me, um, but they don't. Anyway, the second resource Michael mentioned was the website dialectsarchive.com. D-I-A-L-E-C-T-S. That's dialectsarchive.com. Archive, A-R-C-H-I-V-E. Dialectsarchive.com. That's a website full of voice recordings used mostly by actors and voice coaches, people like Jerome Butler, who I spoke to uh, not long ago. So this website is mainly used by actors and voice coaches trying to learn different accents. And especially the text, comma gets a cure, C-O-M-M-A, that's comma, comma gets a cure, which is designed to reveal a huge variety of pronunciation features in English. Comma gets a cure, Cure is spelled C-U-R-E. Okay, it's designed to reveal a huge variety of pronunciation features in English. You can hear the text being read in different accents. You can shadow the text, repeat it, record yourself repeating it, and more. I plan to do some premium episodes using this text and other similar texts too. There is a lot to explore and use there, including some podcast episodes by the creators, by the way. So that's dialectsarchive.com. Okay, so just two tips there, but they are solid ones. And returning to the hitchhiking stories, I just want to sum up the main one, the main story that Michael told, just to be sure that you got it. I think it was probably clear, but I want to retell that story just because I think it was such an exciting story. And maybe you didn't catch the specifics. Obviously, you can listen again, but here we go. I'm going to summarize it again. So what happened was, Michael and his friend Kuba were hitchhiking from Poland to Amsterdam and they got picked up by a couple of very dodgy guys in a van. Dodgy meaning sort of untrustworthy. Now, Michael and Kuba didn't realise it when they first got in the van, but these guys were drinking alcohol and also smoking some kind of crystal, perhaps crystal meth, like in the TV series Breaking Bad. And this is very bad news especially for the, you know, if the driver is drinking and using drugs, this is already 
potentially a very dangerous situation. And crystal meth, I mean, meth is a pretty nasty drug. And, you know, you only need to see uh, Breaking Bad to know. So Michael is an intuitive person. He can kind of pick up on little maybe behavioural signals. Or he just basically is able to read the situation quite quite closely. He's quite intuitive. And he picked up on a very bad vibe, a bad sort of atmosphere from these guys. And he became convinced that they were planning to do something very nasty with Cuba and him. Like I said, it sounds like something from a horror film. Listening to their comments, watching their demeanour, it's like their behaviour, and generally reading between the lines, Michael became convinced these guys were organ traffickers, who are people that kidnap healthy people in order to steal their internal organs and sell them on the black market. And this is genuinely a thing that happens. It's not just something you read about on the internet. It is uh, a thing that goes on. It's pretty dark. So Michael decided that he would subtly let these guys know that he and Cooper were actually not that healthy and therefore their organs were not worth taking. So they were kind of, they start, you know, Michael started dropping into the conversation the fact that, that he was sick or he had diabetes or something saying these sorts of things, which ultimately he hoped would convince them to just let them go. It's crazy, I know. But I kind of know what Michael is talking about when he said he just knew something wasn't right and that they were in danger. I feel like I've been in similar situations before where you realise that the people that you're with are dangerous and up to something, and so you just have to get out. It's a weird feeling. I can't remember any specific stories from my own life, but I've met guys in pubs and things before who just seemed dangerous and untrustworthy, even though there were, there were no specific things that would give me that impression. It's more of a just, it's more of a vibe that certain people give off. Anyway, Michael said that he heard the guys making jokes about stealing their organs, which appeared to be jokes, but there was a sinister undercurrent which suggested that perhaps they were not really joking. Michael's friend Cooper was not quite as observant maybe and he didn't seem to realise what was wrong. He didn't seem to pick up on it in the same way that Michael did. But anyway, Michael sent him text messages to convince him that something wasn't right and they managed to persuade the drivers to stop the van at a petrol station because Michael needed to be sick or he had diarrhoea and, and this is not true, that's just what they told them. And then they escaped at the petrol station. They then decided to, I mean, that must have been a relief. Maybe Kubo was like, what are you talking about, Michael? And Michael was probably sort of saying, look, trust me, I, something was not right with those guys. I felt like we were in danger. I think we made the right decision. It must have been a relief. And they then decided to continue their hitchhiking trip to the Netherlands, but decided that they would not accept lifts from any more Polish people, nobody drinking or using drugs and no vans. And they imposed these rules because they didn't want to risk running into any similar people or perhaps uh, the friends of these, these guys who they suspected were also on the road. But somehow, the next car that picked them up, by coincidence maybe, contained the friends of the dodgy guys that they had just escaped from. So it was a case of out of the frying pan, into the fire. Michael said that these other guys seemed more intelligent and perhaps were the bosses of the other two that they'd previously met. 
And the only way Michael and Cooper got away without being taken, like in the film Taken, was because the guys ended up liking them. And they kind of played along with their jokes and generally tried not to antagonize them at all. And they sort of ended up sort of charming them somehow. And that's the only way that they managed to get away with it. That's what Michael thinks. So, phew, what a lucky escape. And Michael said that hitchhiking was was not that dangerous, right? Actually, I do believe that on balance, his experiences of hitchhiking have been much more positive than negative. But what a scary story. And I do believe that it's true. I find it very believable. There are dodgy people in the world. And finally then, um, just before we finish, a few more words on the topic of psychedelics like magic mushrooms. I wonder what your reaction is to to that part of the conversation. I mean, personally, I just find it sort of fascinating, really. Um, and I should, again, just say that all the things Michael mentioned, especially about that specific mushroom, you know, the famous fly agaric, the Amanita muscaria, that's that mushroom... You know, the Super Mario Brothers, you know, the red toadstool, the, the mushroom, the iconic mushroom from, from Super Mario Brothers. Well, in the natural world, I think, I mean, there are various mushrooms that look like that, but the famous one is the fly agaric, red with white spots on it. So Michael mentioned, all the things Michael mentioned about this are definitely worth researching. Um, in his words, and these are words from a recent email exchange that I had with Michael. So this is these are Michael's words. He wrote to me, he said, I think I talked about maybe 1% of the things you can do with this mushroom. I'd like to stress once again that I don't recommend everybody uses this mushroom. I'm all about education and knowledge. The mushroom can have medical, therapeutic and spiritual effects, but only if one does it correctly. It's not easy to work with this mushroom. And Michael went on to say, an excellent resource for Amanita Muscaria is Amanita Dreamer on YouTube. This is a YouTube channel, Amanita Dreamer, and her website, amanitadreamer.net. Also, a recently published book, Fly Agaric, a Compendium of History, Pharmacology, Mythology and Exploration by Kevin Feeney is also great. And Michael also said, these resources are essential as there are many dangerous myths regarding Amanita muscaria. Remember, it's important to make sure that you are fully knowledgeable about this mushroom. You can't just pick the caps and eat them. And I would say, these are my words now, I would say the same goes for all kinds of psychedelic substance that Michael talked about. Please remember that we are not condoning the use of these things in any kind of casual way or flippant way. You must be very careful, very well read, and personally very prepared before going any further. Okay? Um, all right. Okay, so that that should be clear. Right then, so what did you think of this episode? Any thoughts on Michael's language learning resources, his hitchhiking tales, or his comments on the use of psychedelics? Do you have any thoughts on those things? If you have things to say, just express your thoughts in English, ideally in the comments section on my website. But that's all from me. Have a good morning, afternoon, evening or night. Thank you again to Michael for his contribution in this episode. And uh, all the Lepsters out there in Lepland, um, be excellent to each other. Good luck with your English and do take care. Speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye.
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.